Hello, it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. This is probably the most joy I have felt in the past two months because my friend Nancy McDermott is my guest today. Now, some of you know Nancy. She's a very well-known cookbook author. She's a cooking teacher. She's a TV personality. Hello, Miss Nancy, are you there? I am, Miss Denise. I love you so much. And this is just high joy for me to be with you well, here today. I am so grateful. I need people to know, Nancy. I met you. I Probably we met through IACP. But then we were at Greenbrier together when Tony Allegra used to do this wonderful writers program. And... That's when I met you. I think really, Nancy, we got to sit next to each other and we got to break bread together. And, and Nancy is also, and I, I mentioned these groups because we have some wonderful young listening audience. I don't know why some young people want to join us sometimes. Um, maybe they're trying to stop the horror. I don't know. <laughs> maybe they're trying to look down the road and say, God, that's not how I want to end up. But it's like glamour don't. It's a glamour don't. <laughs> don't be her, okay? Don't be me. But when you and I were at Ladam at a Ladam uh, conference a few years ago, you said one of the greatest, smartest things to me. And I so appreciate it because as everybody knows, my year of transition, and I have been stopped working every day at my normal life and been trying to do podcasting and writing that I wanted to do. I know you stay as busy as a bee, and we'll talk about that later, but when I mentioned that one of the groups didn't seem to respond to older women as much, they weren't, you know, we, we didn't feel like the agenda was for us. <laughs> you turned to me as we were eating lunch and said, yeah, they're putting us out to pasture. <laughs> and, and I, I'll, no, I can't tell you, one of, the, one of the things that I think that's so wonderful, and this is what I'm always trying to stress in these podcasts, the network of women, and men too, but the network of women I made in my career sustain me on a daily basis in wisdom. And I, I, I feel like I, I get to talk to you anyway because we see each other on Facebook, and Nancy and I have this very similar politics, <laughs> which could take up. Well, we don't want the FBI to tap us. Let's That's another show. <laughs> Separated at birth, I like to call it. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, Miss Nancy, tell us about, I know that you have written 14 books, and I have been in your cooking classes, but please tell people how it all happened for you that way. How did you um, decide to be a cookbook writer? Well, it's, my whole career path is not a path, it's you know, zigzag, zigzag, up and around. And if I, I often used to think, I don't think this anymore, if I had known then that I was going to do this, I would have done a better job of doing that. For example, when I was in the Peace Corps in Thailand, if I'd known that I was going to start writing about and teaching about Thai food and Thai cooking, I would maybe have tried to learn some while I was living there for three years, which I didn't because I was like, 24 to 27, and I was interested in eating. So I ate Thai food, and I would lean over the, the pots with uh, my neighbor or a fellow teacher or the, the cook at some event and say, is that about ready? Oh, how <laughs> Instead of, oh, how did you use the turmeric? I know. But I darling, just... you were 24, and you'd already gone to college. 
Exactly. Yes, I, I'm. I'm from North Carolina, born and raised, and I'm back. I'm back here now, living in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, about an hour and fifteen minutes of where I grew up, and about twenty minutes from where I was born. And um, I, I always love food. I always love to cook. And I, I remember when I, I, I am old enough. I'm beyond a certain age, such that um, when I went to college, I, I knew that I sh could pick from one of the jobs, and that is teacher nurse, social worker. Um, I, I mean, I didn't know people who started their own businesses, but you know, there were, and it wasn't like someone said, you can't be a doctor. <laughs> no, no one said that to me, but there was just, there was just this world. And I looked at the world that I knew and I thought, I just want it to be interesting. And that, if, if there's one, if, if there's a through line to this life, it's that I have always gravitated toward what is interesting. And I love food. I love eating. I love home cooking and I love people and I love their stories. Yes. And so I have make a living and, uh, and I just, I have to say, as far as being, making a living as a food writer and a cooking teacher and a culinary, whatever, whatever the <laughs> culinary professional, which is, that's actually a great catch all now that everything is, is changed yes. around so much. Um, I'm, I'm able to do the work I do because I got married to someone who has a real job, who has, so that we have, I've had health insurance, I've had um, mortgage, I, I, I own a house that we bought together, and I feel very strongly that that is our money. I don't, I, it's not his yes. money, it's our money. Of course. Um, but uh, we, I, I found someone who loves for me to do the thing that I do and love to do, and I love him doing the thing that he loves to do, and we both, it's a, it's a good match, and so I'm, I, I just I just feel like it's it was hard to make it this way 25 years ago when we were first doing all that and it's it's just gotten harder so I just I want to give and I don't mean don't try it and I certainly don't mean get married <laughs> but I just want to say in terms of money in the business it's something yeah, that see, people is, have to juggle you are so honest to say this and this is something that I know you and I when we started in ICP all the women, that were at the top and the vice presidents and presidents and stuff, they couldn't have been nicer, gracious, but most of those women wrote one cookbook every two or three years. And after I got to be friends with them, I realized they were married to plastic surgeons. <laughs> twofold. One, they had an income, and two, they looked younger than they were. Now, we were vulnerable to the hobby rule. Thank you. Now, here's the thing. I've always said the same thing. Now, I made money in my business. I worked hard, but Nancy, my husband had a real job. So mm -hmm. if it was a bad month, if my client that owed me $20,000 after six months hadn't paid me, do you know what I mean? I wasn't gonna get, I wasn't gonna be evicted. And you bring up such a real world problem in women with food. Right, exactly. Because, and I see it all the time, and I see young women that are trying to write their cookbooks and setting up a GoFundMe account, and I'm proud of them. It doesn't mean it can't happen. It just means you have to be aware of how right. hard it is. You know, and yes. when they see you on Home and Family, and you're, and you're selling, they don't realize you're there to sell books. You're there to bring up your profile because that feeds all the streams. Exactly. Yes, exactly. It's a commitment. You, no, it's a magic show. you know, it's, a, it's like a magic show. It's a commitment. Exactly. I can pull a rabbit out of a hat. 
Thank you. Um, now, so you're in the Peace Corps. You are a baby at 24 years old. I, I had I'd gone to college, and since I wanted it to be interesting, I majored in English, which I chose because I've always loved to read. I can finish reading a book at 1.24 in the morning and write an A-plus paper on it by 7.30. <laughs> um, that, that's, that's my superpower. And I can spell <laughs> like a dynamite, and I understand grammar and diagramming sentences. None of that's any good anymore. <laughs> Plus, it never was. Um, so I majored in English because it only had 12 credits. I only had to have four actual courses in the English department. And I wanted to take religion and sociology and Japanese language and all those things. So I majored in, I majored in learning to read and write and think and speak in front of people, which is, I mean, college is about everything except majoring in this one thing. Unless you want to go to medical school, that's, you got to hunker down. And that was not on my list. Um, but I went in the Peace Corps and I taught English. And they, the only way they would take me, the only thing I could possibly do was teach English as a second language in a middle school. And that turned out to be, a, I, I just, I have such good spirit guides or leprechauns or wh whoever is driving this car uh, because that is a perfect fit for me. Deep down inside, I am a middle school English and social studies teacher and everything else, you know, everything else comes from there because food and stories and why we do things. And I, I did that because I wanted to travel and see the world and live in Asia. And it turned out to be the best way to do those things because to come into an Asian and actually almost every society except for Western white societies, being a teacher is revered. It, it, is, it is a profession that is honored. And, you know, they know there are bad ones, but they honor the, you know, they honor that mission of bringing, you know, lighting, lighting kids it's and bringing true. them enlightenment, teaching them. And um, I actually enjoyed it. So when I came back, I've filled in with those education courses and I taught seventh and eighth grade in High Point, North Carolina, where I grew up and got an apartment in Greensboro. And that was the time that I started learning to cook Thai food because I missed it because I wanted to eat it. <laughs> there were no Thai restaurants. And I had, it was the time, it was, um, it was a time where there were refugees from Southeast Asia coming in and I had, I, I became an English as a second language department in my middle school because suddenly they had non-English speaking like seven kids from a Hmong family and they would just come and sit at a long table in my room for two hours and I would, you know, I could figure that out and I would go to their house and really make them let me go in the kitchen. They were embarrassed. They didn't want to, but I'd, I'd use my privilege of saying, I, your teacher, I'm would like teacher. to go to the kitchen. I was like, okay, it is very small. <laughs> and then I could watch grandma and then I could, you know, learn things that I had not paid attention to. And I started cooking Thai food just because I wanted to eat it. I had a couple of books. It was just, it was pleasure. And I, I loved, it was a single woman teaching school in Greensboro on Saturday nights. I would invite all my friends to come over and I would, you know, go to seven different stores and cook a Chinese banquet, you know, myself and love doing it. And I moved to New York when, uh, in about 1980 because I wanted to meet boys because I was not, <laughs> everything was great about living in Greensboro after the Peace Corps, except all my friends were married school teachers who couldn't wait for summer vacation so that they could um, stay home with their wonderful kids and work in, and do their gardens. And there's nothing wrong with that in the world, but that was, I, I saw my life passing before me. Miss McDermott, she was so wonderful, <laughs> as if I were dead. I don't know, so I, I moved to New York. I look back at the single teachers that I had like in grade school or seventh grade, and they were always named like, Miss Kessler. And I remember 
She was teaching me to sew and she wore the ugliest, ugly, ugliest shoes. And you know, Nancy, I'm sh and she lived with her mother and she had a mustache. And when I look back, it's heartbreak. I mean, she never broke out. She wasn't like you. She didn't go to New York to find a boy. <laughs> That's right. I lived. I lived into time when the girdles were gone, the hair curlers. It's like I lived through cutting that out. So in New York, what happens in New York? Well, I went up for a summer while I was still teaching. I went up to see if I could live there, even when my my buddies who always dropped everything and we went to Chinatown and we ran around. Could I live there if they weren't taking me everywhere? And um, I met my husband standing in line. I went to the movies by myself on a lonely Friday night when they weren't, they didn't take care of me like I actually secretly thought they would. And this handsome guy in front of me was, had the New Yorker and an umbrella under his arm. And um, we met and we, we, I didn't say, oh, that's my husband, but we went out all summer and um, I went back home and moved to New York. Not, and he was, he was a little nervous and he said, uh, listen, I, I'm, it's, it's great that you're coming up here, but I just want you to know I'm not ready for a serious relationship. <laughs> I feel even better because I said, it's a big city, fella. <laughs> I look forward to spending time with you if you behave, but I'm not coming for you. I'm coming for the idea of you that okay. there would be. I life. may have to embroider a pillow that says it's a big city, fella. Because I'm <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. With an exclamation I'm, point. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to use that today with my husband when he comes in golf. I think we could use that as merch. I just think we, that. Let's have our people talk about that. Thank you. That's a good one, Nancy. God bless yes. you. But so I'm in New York and I'm, I taught for like two years. And then I started working for my buddy Harvey from uh, college who had gone into public relations. And I started writing press kits for uh, minor celebrities, which of which I am now one, <laughs> and freelancing, and I knew I loved food, and I started working for a catering company, a wholesale bakery and catering company. It was on the Upper West Side, of course, on a corner. You went down, you can see it, you can see going down the steps into the bakery, and I, I was trusted with jobs like panning a stack of 40 Vienna fudge cakes or Austrian plum cakes and stirring the tomato sauce just so that it wouldn't burn. Someone else had made it just to keep it from burning on the low and slow. But I, and we, I would work parties for $20 an hour plus a 20% tip, unless you're unhappy, in which case talk to me. That's what my friend Harvey, who was their bookkeeper and the PR genius said. So I said, there is money in this and I, and it, that is good because <laughs> I really need it. And there is also fun and using food. And I started catering on the side, just little, you know, uh, a Thanksgiving meal for a tiny magazine about fishing <laughs> on Madison Avenue and I could hire my friends and do one shots and when we got married in 1985 I said I'm going to go for it in catering and we moved to we took People Express overnight touching where they like we bought our tickets on the plane and landed in Irvine California and went down and looked at the ocean from above in, uh, let's see we, we lived in Irvine but we went down to um Costa Mesa. Yeah, Costa Mesa. Well, well, yeah, but this was like straight, not as fancy as, you know, it's like you just go down and there's a place you can park and go out to the edge and you can see a beach. And standing on, we were both exhausted, and standing at the water's edge was a group of nine people in full um, diving suits. And they were back, holding hands and back into the ocean <laughs> because they were going for a dive. You know, they had on the, the tanks and everything. And I thought, this is a whole new, I have come to a new world. <laughs> this is a new chapter of my life. 
And Southern California, while I was in, in New York, I had been able to pursue Thai food because there's Chinatown and I could buy lemongrass and I could buy fresh rice noodles and I could go to Thai restaurants and start thinking about things. That's when I started paying attention to it more seriously instead of coming home with bags from a trip. And then when I was there, I li we lived near Little Saigon. Irvine is near uh, Westminster and Garden Grove, which are the biggest Vietnamese community. So I started really working on it. I took a course from Diane, no, no, not, I took a course from Janice Wald Henderson, who is a wonderful food and travel writer who lives That's in Los Angeles. Wonderful, yes. I, I, and I, every now and then I see her and she did, it was an all day thing. There were the food editors from the two, count them, two active newspapers, the New York, I mean the, the LA Herald Examiner yeah. and the LA Times. Uh, there was, uh, I believe Barbara Fairchild was there from Bon Appetit. Um, Diane Rawson Worthington was there oh, with was. Uh, the California Cuisine talking about cookbook writing. And Meryl Schindler was talking about um, restaurant reviewing. Oh my and God, so what, a panel. People, what a panel. What a panel. This was LA, um, it was at UCLA's uh, extension, oh, extension division. Program. They didn't tell us anything about how to do food writing and what to do. They said, as a free, the newspaper people said what they wanted from freelancers. The magazine people said, you have to write a query, don't call me. The newspaper people said, send me the double spaced article, don't staple it, don't call me. Oh, God, God, yes. <laughs> and, and the reviewer, you know, he, he talked for five minutes and I thought, not doing that, hurry up. Yeah. And then Diane talked about writing a book and a proposal and how you would do all that. And then we, it was like a four week follow up on Saturdays where we did, we went to a Thai restaurant together and everybody wrote a review. It was so, so it got me so that I could go out and pitch a story on Thai food to the Orange County Register, which they bought and put on the cover. <gasps> so my first food story, it paid, it probably paid a hundred dollars, which is more, I, which I never thought I would make. Unfortunately, I'm still working for that, <laughs> but, but it was on the cover. They did a beautiful picture. Um, and you know, I didn't get a lot of covers right after that, but that got me started. I got into magazines and I started teaching cooking classes, which at that time there were cooking schools. You know how Starbucks is now? Cooking yeah. schools were like that every mall. And I could do my spring class, like two classes and drive around. We didn't have children. And I just zoomed all around. I had the food I had. That's when, that was like my 10,000 hours, like the Beatles in Germany, you know, where I learned how to do this. And I went from, and I, I wanted to do a book. I, I knew I wanted to do a book. And it took like, I don't know, let's see, probably four years from that time that I could. And it was like, why won't they let, why don't they know that I have what it takes? And it was so good because when I started, I thought, you know, I'd say, okay, today we're going to make a curry paste and uh, I'm going to take the lemongrass. And people say, well, wait, wait, which one is lemongrass? And I go, which one is lemongrass? You know, I felt like if you don't know lemongrass from Galanga, I really don't know how you're here. I didn't say that. I am a, I am Southern. I am diplomatic. I said, well, lemongrass is the one that looks like a scallion, only it's kind of gray. <laughs> you know, um, and I, I went from being, I know something you don't know and feeling like I had to prove myself to helping, you know, I, and it's like, yeah. if I want people to cook this, I should start where they are and explain it to them. And all my writing is really so that by the time I went, I did get a contract, I was a very different person from, I mean, I'm still Miss Smarty Pants, I'm full of myself, but I, I had a different feeling about what my goal was in writing a cookbook or writing a recipe or, you know, for a magazine, all of it. It's like, I want you to be able to cook this food. But see, Nancy, I have to tell you, this is a big deal because what you just talked about is you realized 
that you had an audience, it could be students, audience, or a classroom, you educated them. And this is a big difference. See, you really want to educate people. And that comes from your background. Exactly. People want to, and that, that's what makes great, I think, great cooking teachers and not, you know, I mean, sometimes when you're watching people, when I've been in people's classes, they are either so themselves or, you know, they, they sneer when someone asks a question and I think, oh, that's no, 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 no. That's not, that's not your job. Your job is to help us. So I think that you probably never under false pretenses. That's right. So I'm proud of you. And also, we all have those times, and which is what's trying to tell younger people this. We used to call it paying your dues and, mm, and yes. learning your craft. So, yeah. you know, nothing yeah. teaches you more about teaching than, than teaching. You get into a classroom, and I know those cooking schools, because I taught in some of them, and they didn't have the right products. And they, <laughs> hadn't, they hadn't prepped Bring the galanga. Hey, Bring fresh ginger. Oh, my God. So awesome. You know, and they gave you a little jar of ginger and said, here, I found it. And you're thinking, no, this isn't what I asked for. So, but, you know, all those situations are building blocks, as we well know. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. That's, you know, it's like, if only I'd known this, it's like those, the challenges and the frustrations and the ins and out and the hilarity and the not knowing it and then getting good at it, like all of that was crucial to whatever success I've had down the road. It was, it wasn't, you know, I thought, oh, like, oh gosh, these were all detours. And now I'm here and, and it's like, no, not, not taking notes while I was in Thailand, not thinking I'm going to write a cookbook. I just thought I'm in my kitchen. I'm in my house. What was it like? And I had students living with me. They cooked. I went to the market. I had observed. It was like, I'd been a little kid growing up in yes. this town. And I can tell you what life was like in Muskogee, Oklahoma in 1957 because I lived it. And because I'm interested in home cooking and traditional cooking and the, the cultural things, then I actually had a real head start that no one who came in and just said, okay, how does this cuisine work? I can't do that in taking on a new cuisine now. I can learn about it, but I had so much to say. I just thought it was something other than what it really was. So now, no detours, no wrong, no, you, no, nothing, no, nothing is wasted. Nothing that we do, nothing that happens to us is wasted. I know this. You've been able to blend those two worlds, your room, your world. Now, of course, in my house, it's cold. Nancy, if people don't know, and I, I can't, all Nancy's cookbooks are good. Some of them are out of print, but you can find the copies on Amazon. I know this. But one of Nancy's, several of your books, Nancy, but Southern Cakes and your pie book. Okay, before, now everybody, I, not being mean, but everybody and their mother has written a book on pies. And I mean, who's, people it's like, required. Hello, what how happened? many books on pies do we need, we ask? Mm, not sure. Anyway, Nancy's books on pies and cakes. So I made your, of course, I told you, I remember that posted this years ago. I made your coconut cake one day. It's the most delicious coconut cake. And I happen to know coconut egg, I coconut cake, because I have eaten it all over the world. And I have the butt to prove that, Nancy. <laughs> I told you we were separated at birth. Hello. So I made your coconut cake 
couple of years ago. It's divine. I I think Cindy got a piece, but I made it. And my husband, <laughs> my husband is not big on sharing. This is something he's generous and gracious. God, if you're in jail, he'll come and bail you out, but not sharing food. Okay. So I made the coconut cake. He ate it. We and he likes chocolate, but he said this is one of the most delicious cakes. So in our house, whenever he wants a pie or he wants a cake, he says, "Well, I want Nancy's cake." And I always say, well, "Here's the recipe, kid. Get to it. Let's get those cake pans out and get to it, buddy." But I think those are two of your best cookbooks, Nancy. I think all your cooks because. You know, it's about research. It's everything you were just saying. It's about training. It's about teaching. It's about sharing. Now, we're going to do a second podcast with Nancy because we still have so many things to talk about. That now, sounds great. Now, here's what I want to know. When, Nancy, you've been so honest to talk about, no, the money's not always great. You know, sometimes there is, and it's like when you least expect it, there's a windfall of money and you think, okay, this paid for those five classes that were shit. <laughs> It's unpredictable. Yeah, it's when the, the best windfall, of times, worst of times. Thank you. When the windfall comes, I say to Kenny, "This is like money from heaven. This money showed up. A project that you weren't." We're grandma. We're out. We're out in the front yard holding out our aprons, <laughs> pulling it in. Now listen. So, with that said, and I, with what you've just said. How have you kept the motivation going? Because I've had the privilege of not having to say, I'm going to do the thing that will pay me, you know, but in order to make rent, I'm going to write about low, uh, what was it, low cholesterol? Know. You know, when that came along, I thought, okay, this this, this is the thing, I got to do it. And I thought, I... I just can't people who write about that. I don't mean it's not, I don't mean it's yucky or icky, but it's not me. I like food with history. I like food that has a story and I like to talk to people and find out the whys and the hows. And so things that come along and are popular and are trendy have never been interesting to me. And I've had the privilege of writing about what I'm interested in. So when I moved to move back to the South, it's like, here I am, here's all this. I'd actually been wanting to write a cake book for a long time. People are still baking. So I've been able to yes. look at things that catch my interest. And that's- And your soup you know, and so stews- I, I love that too. Yeah. And your soup and stews is another fabulous book. Oh my I gosh. I love that book. Now I have to say, when you say that, I couldn't get a book deal. I couldn't get arrested naked in Los Angeles for a number of years. <laughs> Nancy, and I still look good then, but I, I couldn't sell anything. I mean, I'd met Barbara Fairchild. I had a wonderful mentor that helped me, but I could not get my writing career going for a long time. Right. And then I did, and I'm grateful, and I've loved it. But in what Nancy's saying, which is what I love so much, and this is also staying on brand, meaning your authentic self. This is being you when you said that. And I'm not making fun of people, however people make their careers. I couldn't get my career started writing. And then someone called me, a small press, and they said, We've, we know you teach cooking classes. We'd like you to write a cookbook on rice. <laughs> and I said, okay. But she said, we'll need 50 recipes. I said, well, don't you just put it in the water? You put the rice in the pan and you add the water? Or is it the water and you add the rice? Whatever. I don't think I got it in me to write 50 recipes about that. Now, I'm more, I, I certainly understand that there's a million things that I could have written. But I didn't see it at the moment because I was focused on 
Yeah. I was interested in entertaining and in catering and that's, you know, and being a chef and that, you know, and making food that people could recreate at home. Yes. So that's, we all go in different ways, but honey, your motivation is, I mean, I know you, Nancy, you're the energizer bunny. I have nothing but admiration for you because it, it it's not easy. And that's all I'm trying. That's the point I'm trying to make that it's not easy. Who, who to you, I, you just mentioned some people you took the classroom, but who has inspired you in your career? Oh gosh. Well, I mean, everybody, I guess, Julia Child having fun doing it. Yes. Um, Jacques Pepin, I've actually been thinking about him uh, just just because during, you know, during the, the shutdown, um, looking at his videos, just like, like him, he in the kitchen. For, it's so charming. You know, He's so yeah, charming. Three minutes. And it's like, when we have lunch, we make a vinaigrette. I'm going to, and he, you know, just does little simple things. And it reminded me of um going to class at a woman who had classes in her home she lived in uh and I'm, I'm blanking on her name but she would and hire people and hire people like me you know i did like background stuff to help to help set up and i had never seen him before i really didn't know that much of, you know i knew he was important but it was like <laughs> great to be there and I remember watching him cook and I said, he's just like my, my grandmother. He would, you know, finish, he's stirring something and then he poured it out and then he would go in that bowl with a spatula and get every drop out. You practically didn't have to wash it. That's and he said, you know, because you don't waste anything, you know, he, he grew up in World War II. He grew up in World War II and, you know, nothing was wasted. His mother had, had, a, had a restaurant. And he he asked for parchment paper, and they said, um, "Oh, I'm so sorry, chef. We have wax paper." And he said, "Oh, that's fine." And I thought, "Wow, he's not snobby about things. He's just like my grandmother. It's like this is good for the cooking. This will work. That won't work." I like learned more from that about him, an exalted person, and how he was viewing food than the recipes that that he was actually making or French cooking. And who? I'm trying to think who. Um, who those makes me laugh? Perfect. <laughs> no, Nancy, those are such perfect. I feel very much the same way. All right, now listen. People want to reach out to Nancy. All her information is going to be on the Woman Beyond a Certain Age. When we broadcast, there are what we call show notes. I use, of course, the royal we, but you know, Cindy does work. <laughs> I mean, let's, okay. <laughs> We are Nobody. We are not pleased. We are very pleased with this situation. <laughs> so on the show nights, we will, Cindy puts the links to books and your website and everything. So people, please, if you have questions for Nancy, you can email us at womanbeyond at icloud.com. Um, you know, Facebook us, do all those things to to let us know that you enjoyed the um, broadcast and also that, so that you can reach out to Miss Nancy. Now, Miss Nancy, I cannot thank you enough for your time, but oh. we're gonna turn around and do a second podcast because we have more things to talk about with you. I'm thrilled. This, this has been so much fun as is even when I'm reading you on Twitter, <laughs> I always, I smile in advance because I know what's coming, joy. All right, goodbye. Thank you, Miss Cindy. Goodbye, Nancy.